Welcome everyone out to Utah in the Weeds. My name is Tim Pickett and I am your host. And today I have some pretty bad news. The audio for this podcast is terrible. Well, it's not the end of the world news, like all the other news we've been listening to for the past year and a half, but it's bad news for me. My guest today is Amber Frankie. She's a good friend of mine. I knew her in high school, and we've known each other off and on for years, and she really has an amazing story, and I wanted you all to hear it. So, one, you are going to have to go to utahmarijuana.org podcast and read the transcript of this episode with Amber Frankie, or two, uh, load it up on YouTube uh, and watch the subtitles. Or three, pay close attention and listen here. So folks, sorry about the audio, but I am really excited to bring you this story. She just has an amazing story. She was on so many medications and she tells you all about it. Be sure to listen to the end. Housekeeping items. The webinars are going really well and they're a little more uh, science-y, a little more educational. We do those every other Wednesday. Stay tuned on the uh, email list at utahmarijuana.org. If you need a card and you want to stop drug trafficking, right? Stop driving to Nevada. Stop driving to Colorado. Just pay money to the state you live in. Um, Go to Utah Therapeutic, one of our clinics, and have an evaluation for a medical cannabis card. Uh, Just excited today to get uh, get this interview out there uh, as good as it can be. My name is Tim Pickett. This is Utah in the Weeds. Let's get into this conversation. Okay, so take me back to the beginning of cannabis. Okay. In Amber well, Frankie's life. I am new at this. Cannabis is brand new to me. So I, despite getting pregnant in high school and having a child out of wedlock, and all that nonsense. I, I was a pretty good rule follower. So I was, I was the one that was like, it's illegal. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going down that road. It's illegal. Like it just wasn't in, it was against the rules. And I don't, I don't play against the rules. I'm, I'm a rule follower. Like I have to be a rule follower. That's just kind of who I am. So my journey with cannabis didn't start till after. So after what? After it was legalized in Utah. The what? whole time cannabis was illegal. I didn't use it. I, I tried it several, five or six times in high school. But after that, I didn't touch it. I was, I was on SSRIs. I was on anti-anxiety medication. I was on sleep medication. I was on all sorts of pharmaceuticals. And the most unhappy I've ever been, it wasn't until it was legal that I got my card and then tried it. So this is wow. a pretty new journey for me. That's cool. So... You use SSRIs, you use normal stuff. It's not, in, you've lived in Utah your whole life. I have. How does that start? Like somebody like you who's not, okay, you don't live a mainstream life and in a Utah life, right? A quote sure. unquote Utah life. Yes. Yep. I mean, we know each other a little bit more, right? So right. We're, we're probably going to be a little mm-hmm. bit more comfortable talking together just because mm-hmm. even though we don't, it's not like we hang out. But we have this, we went to high school together. So I, yes. I, I knew you in high school. Well, and, and we ran in the same circles too. Yeah. So um, so you don't live a traditional Utah lifestyle. 
you don't you use you use cannabis a couple of times, but then it becomes legal. Like, how did you find out? Were you involved in the process at all? Did you sign the petition, or it just became legal around you, and then you decided, oh, um, maybe um, I should try I this. The 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 first time that I was like, I wonder what what cannabis would do would be. I have a disabled child who's severely autistic. He was diagnosed at officially diagnosed medically at eight, and then he's been in and out of institutions, psych wards, um, inpatient, outpatient, step down program. He's been to several different schools. He's been kicked out of schools. He's and the level of psych medication I was giving to my child was the first time that I was like, I wonder what it would look like if cannabis was legal for um, kids and adults with autism. But I didn't want to try it on him because the last thing I need is to go to jail for so I didn't, that was the first time that I was like, maybe there's something to this plant because the, the, the level of, of psych medications I'm handing to a nine-year-old twice a day was, and the side effects of those medications was criminal. It was so hard to give my child medication twice a day when I thought that there could have been a more natural alternative. So that was the first time that I that I kind of looked into the to cannabis as an option at all. Now I've never actually he's eighteen now. I've never given it to him. He's never tried it. He's still kind of on the, the pharmaceutical train. But that was the first time that I was started reading and thinking, oh my gosh, like there's so many other things that it can help with. And then in 2018, um, I think it was 2018, June of 2018. No, June of 2016, um, I tried to commit suicide. And I woke up in a, in a hospital. Sorry. That's and the first thing they did was prescribe me more medications. And so I was in there for eight days. And when I came home, I couldn't feel. I couldn't function. I was on all sorts of mood stabilizers and I coasted for about a year. And then I just thought, I've never been more unhappy in my entire life. Something's got to give. There's got to be something better than this. So I took probably three years and weaned myself off everything. And then I got my med card. And then I started experimenting with cannabis. And then I finally found something that that works for me, for pain, for anxiety, for sleep, for my mental health. And I'm off of everything except cannabis and a couple of things. I have That's it. I don't need anything else. And all of a sudden, now I have clarity on how to navigate hardship without the use of SSRIs. It's been life-changing for me. It's um, just fascinating that we can't use it as a tool in the hospital when there seems to be so much anecdotal evidence that it could be a useful tool. I was on 11 prescriptions at one point, 11. Only four of those were for pain and mental health, and the rest were for side effects of those medications. Of the medications? Yes. 
And I have some permanent damage from those medications that I do have to take. So I've been diagnosed with a hiatal hernia and nerd. Um, it's not a polyp. There was a hiatal hernia, but there's something else going on in my esophagus and in my stomach from something that happened with excessive amounts of like ibuprofen and Tylenol and things to treat something like TMJ. And um, I was on like prescription IB800s for twice. I was taking more than the max recommended dose for 15 years. And it's done enough damage that I have to be on like heart medication for the rest of my life as a result. So yeah, I mean, there's so many other things that you can look at. And it's just, it's not just cannabis. Like I feel like cannabis got me to a place where I could detox from everything else. And then I started paying attention to my mental health and meditation and movement and exercise and diet and sleep and water consumption and all the other things that kind of, um, that you need to be healthy. Healthy, right. So you're, you used cannabis as the way, as kind of like the, the gateway, right? It was the gateway drug for like this next step. Or essentially the exit drug. It was the the it was the thing that like allowed you to take that next step and to say, okay, look, let's it look at this me, a little bit different. Yeah, it forced me to a place where it could sand the edges of my pain and my sleep problems enough for me to have enough clarity to be like, I actually can take control over my life and what do I need to do to get there? What like what do I need to do to be happy? And part of that was quit numbing your feet with SSRIs. Yes. Quit it. You feel like SSRIs were like, were just like leveling you out to the point where... I was a zombie. Yeah, I was a zombie for 15 years. I call it like my walking, the walking dead for me. Like I was in a a state of, um, I felt enough to think that I was doing okay and that I was normal, but big problems I didn't have big reactions to. I was kind of just this melancholy, little tiny spikes and little tiny depressions, but and it's not until you're you're in like in a really uncomfortable situation that you're like, oh shit, I have to actually act and do something because this feels terrible. I wasn't able to do that when I was on SSRIs. I, I, I didn't have access to those really big feelings. I could feel a little, I could identify, oh, I should be sad about this or I am sad because of this, but it wasn't a discomfort feeling that forced me to change something. When you talked about, you said something that was interesting to me cannabis and essentially it sounds like the thc in cannabis was able to sand the rough edges of your pain do you feel like that how is that different or is it different than the ssris you know doling making your life gray so i i often describe it as like gabapentin is a good example of a drug that that essentially makes right it makes your life gray um and and cannabis allows people to have oranges and yellows and and like colors, right? And and gabapentin just kind of grays everything out. Is there does when you say sand the rough edges, does that is that the same or is that different? I might be getting into the weeds here a little bit more. Um, I feel for me, sanding the edges with gabapentin just sanded them so much that there was nothing left. Sanding the edges with with cannabis or THC 
allows me to recognize that there's a problem, but doesn't debilitate my ability to solve that problem. Myself. So uh, I feel like, yes, this yeah. is, and this is really what I was, uh, what I was kind of getting at was hoping to get at was this idea that by using cannabis, it's not that you're dulling the senses. It isn't that you're dulling the senses. It's that you're able to deal with the things that you would, you want to deal with. Right. But yeah. you're not, you're not, you're not necessarily suppressing them in the right. same way. Well, but I also feel like there's a level of control on my end of it. So I, depending on how much or how I'm navigating my, it's still, it's cannabis. Like it's, it's a plant. It's the same thing that I'm taking. But if I'm not having an extremely rough anxiety day, I don't need as much to go to sleep at night. Where when you have a, a, a pill, I was on uh, like 50 milligrams of trazodone every night. And there was another one that I coupled that with that starts with a Z. I can't remember that it was a sleeping pill. And I would kind of get a hangover the next day or I couldn't just fall asleep and then wake up an hour later. It was, I'm out for eight hours and I, I can't find my phone the next day because I stuck it in the freezer. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, because that's the, the Z1 is Zolpidem. That's Ambien. That's five milligrams yep. Ambien with that trazodone. And let me tell you, those are two. I mean, if you're on that and you're on gabapentin, plus you're on an SSRI, my God, you're on a lot of medications. And, and yeah. How do you how you get to that? How we get to this point where we're putting people on all of these medications? See, this is my this is my whole soapbox, and and forgive me for being this way, but you know you're taking somebody you're taking somebody's life away from them by adding all of these medications to their list and not considering something like cannabis, where where at least it's a tool. It, just like everything else, I mean, you're willing to put them on five FDA-approved medications, but you're not willing to let them try a little bit of cannabis. That's what society has really, I think, really screwed up a hundred years ago. And by by eliminating this and making it such a cultural negative, right? When yes. when we have done this, we are doing this to people. We keep doing yes. this to people. I think it's it's interesting too because I mean, when I was on. Um, gabapentin and um, Ambien, like I would wake up with <laughs> with a jar of peanut butter in my bed. And <laughs> I know people with blocks food, of know? cheese, yeah. bottles of peanut butter. They've yeah. been out to the they've been out to the mailbox and done something, you know, painted something. I mean, it's yeah. But I would also look forward to those funny stories because they were something to brag about which is so bizarre to me when I look back now, because I'm like, it was out of my control, but that was my way of being like, oh my gosh, I did a thing, but it's because of the meds I'm taking. And now I have this new accountability where I'm like, I don't actually get to make that excuse anymore because I'm not on this medication. So now I'm making better choices in my everyday life. So I don't have stories. I still have stories, but, but sure. they're within normal range. Like my story today, I was, I, I door dashed when, I, when my kids were in school. I, DoorDash for extra money. And I was DoorDashing, and as I was putting a fizz order with four sodas in it in my car, I hit my my handle and spilled all four sodas. And my stupid choice, but I was able to laugh about it, and it had nothing to do with anything that me not slowing down. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 given those two, I would rather have that story than I did a thing. Do you like this? Is totally off topic. Do you like like you DoorDash fizz? Do people actually literally DoorDash fizz? Dude, I like some of my weird DoorDashes have been my favorite are to nursing homes or hospitals. 
because I will pause my dash and have a conversation with the Alzheimer's patients. Um, but I have picked up flower arrangements from like Smith Marketplace and walked into a funeral home with a tank top and shorts not dressed appropriate at all and like delivered flowers in the middle of a funeral. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. So, so can I, can I door, is it like Task Rabbit? Do you ever, do you know what that is? I don't know. It's like DoorDash. Like I can call, I can go on DoorDash and I can order just anything or, or they have to be a business that associates with DoorDash. They have to be a business that associates with DoorDash, but grocery stores do. And so that's like the flower order. I was like, okay, flowers, I guess I'm delivering flowers. And then I go to like Russell Brothers on Main Street Bountiful and I'm like, oh my God, oh my gosh, there. And I'm like, I have to walk in looking for a crash. Like this is great. Oh my gosh, this is great. I can't. I, uh, I mean, the yeah. fizz thing. Okay, sorry. The fizz thing is crazy. I just cannot. I. For all of you out there, listeners, I do not like that we have fizz. I do not like that we have sips. I do not like these places, you know. And yet, once in a while, I'll go to Beans and Brews and get my coffee. So yes, I'm a hypocrite. I totally am a hypocrite. I'll buy my coffee no, you're not. at a drive-through. But human. I. Uh, but man, your diet cokes and your and your vanilla uh, whipped cream thing i don't i don't know i just i cannot figure out it's like and it's a utah thing oh my gosh the these things are huge. huge and it's then so not only here. do you go but you doordash I mean, i've yeah yeah <laughs> you, you can still you can doordash little caesar's pizza now holy shit it's more money to doordash it than to buy the pizza i know like i delivered a ten dollar ten dollar Little Caesars order and got paid six dollars to deliver it. Three less than three miles away from Little Caesars. And you know, again, uh, this uh, this side of me though, I've done I've done the Costco delivery. I've done I the Instacart, and yeah. man, I I love to if have that stuff. If you can afford it, you can do it because you know what? It keeps people like me who are DoorDashing keeps me keeps me from having to get a real job. Well, that's what, that was my next question was, you know, you have, if you've got kids in school and you've got, you've got an incredibly flexible schedule, so you can do that. And if you're making enough extra money and you don't have to go work a full-time or a part-time, like, um, you know, you can do this gig, this gig economy. It's really on that side of it is really cool. Yeah. I really like it. I really like it because it does open up. I, I have one that's disabled. And he's at a post-high program called Vista down the street from us now. But he he does the hybrid schedule. So he's only in person two days a week. He's home the other three. So I would love to get a full-time job somewhere, but I don't have that kind of flexibility. So for me, it's like when he's at school, I can DoorDash. And I really average right around $20 an hour when I'm DoorDashing. And I've got all the apps that count my mileage, tell me how much I have to take out for taxes and all that kind of stuff. Different savings account that I plug it all into. Yeah. Um, so, so do you feel like, that, how long have you been doing this? Uh, like, I mean, do you credit cannabis for helping you figure all of this sort of stuff out? hundred percent. Yes. Because I think it, 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 it cleared my vision enough to make the major life changes that I needed to make without the fear attached to what that's going to look like. What did the legalization mean to you? Would you have done this if it wasn't legal? No. Nope, I wouldn't. I'm a, I'm a rule follower. I wouldn't have, if it wasn't legal, I would be too scared to get caught or have something happen um, that I would have to then answer for. No, I would have never tried it. I would have never tried it for medicinally. I mean, I did it a few times in high school. I mean, everybody 
kind of experiments with different things. But no, if it wasn't legal, I would have never, I would have never tried it. It would probably still be an abusive marriage and a stay-at-home mom with disabled kids and trying to avoid breakdowns and cyborgs for the rest of the world. Do you, um, do you like that Utah is a medical program versus uh, adult use or recreational program? I don't think that's even a fair question to ask me just because I wouldn't use it recreationally. Like I, I, I don't, the first few times that I even like up the dose on a gummy, I'm like, I have to make sure I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. Like I just, I have to, I'm very careful with, with my consumption as it is anyway. I don't know that I would actually use it recreationally. I don't know if there's really a difference though. Cause once you get past that place of like getting high, it doesn't have that, the party vibe anymore. Like that kind of goes away. It does for it does for a lot of people. I I definitely agree. There's a point which you understand, you know, you you know what's going to happen, right? You know, I'm going to take this, and I know pretty much exactly how I'm going to feel in an hour, right? Because I've done this before. I I do this every day or every few days or when I have yeah. a bad day, whatever it is, and you're used to that, and that is not really recreational. That's, um. What would you call that? I mean, how do you view that? Do you ever, because I know on the other hand, there's people who would use it quote unquote medicinally, but then, um, you know, I'm a musician or I paint and I, and I like that creativity that it gives me or, or something like that. Um, you know, is there a difference with that? I don't know. I think that's up to the individual. You know, I mean, for me, it was, I was taking, the reason I started taking it, um, because I was, I was going to, I was coming off my SSRI anyway. I was coming off my anxiety medication anyway. So whatever the outcome of that looked like for me, I was going to be fine. The main reason I tried it for the, what I told myself, okay, I'm going to allow myself to try it for this specific reason to see if it helps. The excuse that I gave myself was my TNJ because I was breaking two teeth a year and having to call the dentist and go in for an emergency dental visit when my teeth are splintered, my molars are splintered from clenching my teeth right the teeth the day. So for me, it was like, I'll just use it at night. I'll just use it for sleep. And if I broke, break a tooth and I have it for pain. Um, so that's why, that's what I qualified under. Like that's what I, how I got my medical card. And it, it wasn't until I, started experiment because I, I mean, I tried the flower, I tried the capsules, I tried the tinctures, I tried the stuff you rub on your jaw, like, like the balms, I tried out the vape, I tried all of it. And that's when I noticed, holy shit, this is actually helping my anxiety. I wonder what would happen if I used a great panic attack. And so I would try it that way. And I think that's when I was like, oh my God, this isn't just a party drug. This is actually, and there's so many uses, uh-huh. like there's so many different things that this is helping with. I know it's not like, it, uh, I mean, I'm letting you, I'm letting you talk uh, because we're having this conversation, but it is, it's, it is like, wow. And it's not the cure for everything. We, we don't cure very many things with cannabis, but we're just, hey, human beings like to manipulate their environment. They like to manipulate things, right? We know we eat certain things and we, we have more energy. We know we you know, that, that's, that's how we are. We learn to do these things and we learn to use different products. We drink coffee in the morning to help wake ourselves up. Uh, we use cannabis 
to help ourselves feel a little better. Right. Yeah. And, and, and if you have pain in your job, a bad, yeah. yeah. No, and it's I not bad. Once you're really a bad thing, if you, especially like during a panic attack, the Xanax that I would take would last four or five hours and I would be knocked out and like I would have a panic attack. I would take a rescue medication and I would go to sleep and I would be asleep for four, five, six, seven, eight hours. And then I'd wake up starving and I'd wake up and I'd eat. And then I would feel like crap because I would feel guilty for having a panic attack and beat myself up and my mental health would just plummet. And then depression set in. And then sometimes I wouldn't get out of bed for three or four days and then I would start to worry and then another panic attack would happen. And I'd take another Xanax and it was the same cycle over and over and over again. When I started using cannabis and I thought, I wonder what would happen if I just smoke some flour or use the vape. Um, I, my panic 20 minutes and I would be like, I think I got this. I think I can handle this. I think I can do this. And then I would almost like elevate to this different like mindset and then I'd talk myself back down and I would be okay. And then I was ready to like continue the day, not as if it never happened, but I maybe would have it up to an hour of, Ooh, that was a rough one, you know, and then I would be back to normal and then I could manage it. But what I would also do is process what triggered that. What am I avoiding? What am I not looking at? Um, and what can I do to make that not a trigger? How can I expose myself to that trigger to make it so it's not nearly as impactful and doesn't cause me to protect Are you doing this during that, during the, essentially like during that psychoactive uh, period? No, Are you? No, no, I think I'm unreachable in that moment. If I'm not if, like, if there's a, yeah, you're it's, getting, it's you're taking reflection after, after, okay. Yep. Reflection you're, after. you're basically saying, okay, the panic attack, we're going to put that over on the couch for now. Yeah. We're just going to get through. Yep. And then after that kind of calms down and, and everything kind of settles, then you can reflect, you feel a little yeah. better, and then you and can start to get a little clear. Yeah. That part's yes. pretty instant. So I might still have, I mean, obviously you're still going to have the cannabis in your system, but I'm not like technically like high anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm already tired and exhausted from the panic attack, but it, they, they never lasted as long. They never were nearly as intense. Um, and then I was able to actually revisit that panic attack and try to identify the trigger. So I knew what I could do to avoid it being trigger. And you're doing a lot of work. Empowerment. I know. I know. I know. You really are doing a lot of work. I mean, congratulations on figuring, figure, like heading down this path. Certainly, we all have uh, places where we're still going, but you have been a long, you have come a long way. In a short amount of time. But I have to say, like walking into the dispensary and being able to ask questions legally without worrying about, I... I'm there at least once a week. This isn't working for me. This is giving me headaches. I don't like how this is doing. I need a different strand of this. I don't, I, like I said, I'm a newbie at this. Like sativa and indica, I had never even looked, at, I didn't even know what those were a year ago. I didn't even, I had never heard of those words before. So this is all kind of new to me, but knowing that I'm okay to walk into the dispensary and say, this is the issue that I'm having. How do we problem solve this? And having them actually take the time to explain things to me so I can understand it and put my, mental health and my physical health back in my hands is huge. When you finally gave yourself permission was um, to use this and to try it, it does sound like you you really had to give yourself permission to experiment 
with everything. Did you like experiment with different delivery methods? I'm going to try the gummies. I'm going to try the vape. I'm going to try the flour. Um, do you feel like that's a, that's a big hiccup or that's a big um, hurdle for people, you know, who basically grew up with you and me? I think it's extremely overwhelming. There's so much information. Just walking in the first time with my med card, I felt really small because I knew, I knew that I was walking in as completely uneducated, never before interested in this at all, and had, I was clueless. And so I already walked in with the idea of, okay, you're going to feel stupid because you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea. And you just got this card and now you're like free range, like you can do whatever the F you want. And so, but I was like, but I need guidance. Like I need, I need help. I need guidance. And then being able to be like, oh no, you can, you can try this and 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 just keep a journal and just kind of see what works for you and what doesn't. And then being able to go back and say, okay, I tried this and this and this, this didn't work for me for this reason. This didn't work for this reason, et cetera. And have them say, okay, try this instead, or let's try a different delivery method. I think that for me took all the judgment and fear completely out of it. But I didn't go crazy either. I mean, I went crazy buying everything, but I didn't go crazy trying at all. I did keep a journal. I was meticulous in what I tried and making sure I'd try it for three or four days to see what the effects would be before I decided to try a different method. How long did it take you to figure out dosing, how you were going to feel? It was six months of hit and miss. And, and there was a little bit of struggle with anxiety and a little bit of depression and being sleepy mm -hmm. but i would just go and talk to people and ask questions and they would help me fine-tune a couple of different things and i know how my body reacts to certain deliveries now and so and i like being in control of that i don't like going to a doctor and having them say well you need three months before you have any sort of effect and don't change anything because it's detrimental if you just stop taking it that's all right and, and then I'd go and I'd suffer for three months and I'd know on day four, this isn't going to work for me. And then I'd have to live out that three months of taking this drug. And then I'd have to make an appointment and go in and then they would adjust the dose, but they wouldn't adjust the drug, the drug itself. And I think that level of control in the hands of somebody that spent 15 minutes talking to you, it's kind of gross. And I yeah, like you, you've turned that. it on its head, right? You've, you're taking all the control. You make a really, this is a very good way to put it. In traditional medicine, you're, we have somebody who spends 15 minutes with you, and yet you're giving them 90 plus percent of control over the medications and your therapy and your treatment. You either take it or you don't. And do you, have and you either take it? it or you don't. Yeah. Cold turkey and an SSRI. Oh, it's not, it's not pretty. But yeah. uh but on the other hand, cannabis medicine is almost exactly the opposite. I'm the one who's giving you permission to, to use this medication, puts the fence up around the pasture, so to speak, and says, okay, inside this room or inside this area, you can do what you need to do. I'll be here whenever you need me and which periodically, yep, which, which might be a lot in the beginning. The pharmacists are there. The dispensaries there. Utah set up a pretty good program for that with the pharmacists, I will say. And now you have almost all of the control. Yes. And the provider is, is just there in case or there to guide. I yes. like that way of the way of, of, uh, of putting that. And that essentially is what allowed you 
to figure yourself out a little bit, right? right? Figure the drugs yeah. out, figure the medications, decide what what works, what doesn't, it's how not even it works just for the drugs. I mean, it's it's everything. It's everything. It's taking control of every aspect of my life, and that includes the people I surround myself with. That includes the crowds I hang out with, and what kind of job I want, or what I teach my children, and the coping skills. On, I mean, it's just it's it's cleared the cobwebs out of the way, so I can actually function. Mm-hmm. And cannabis and, doesn't deserve all of the credit there. It just sure, it's just a little sure. piece, right. and then you and then you essentially do the rest. It's not a fix all. That's for no. sure. And, but I think for me, why it was so important for me is because it, like we were talking earlier that it's just sand at the edges enough where it wasn't so painful that I could actually look at it. And then I, I already have, like, I, I can take control of what my life looks like and who I hang out with and the things that I want to do with my future and what I teach my children. And if I, if I stayed on SSRIs, I don't know that I would ever come out of that coma, really. I don't know. I'm glad you did. <laughs> me too. I am. I am really glad you did. And I'm glad that we are, we're having this conversation because frankly, the other, there are people out there who still, they're still really lost and they're still in that gray area. And they just, you know, maybe hearing somebody say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm normal. I'm like you. I, here's what I did. Gives somebody that, you know, that permission to allow themselves to do the same thing in their own way. And that's what's so cool. What, what do you see next for you? Um, you know, as far as, as everything goes, you're just going to, you're going to keep doing what you're doing now. sounds like things are going pretty well. I think I'm learning how to slow down and kind of enjoy what's in front of me instead of always wondering what's going to be the next big step or where I'm going to be in five years. It's just a matter of enjoying smelling the flowers, you know, as they're presented in front of you, enjoying my children as they grow, enjoying, you know, just existence and, and being okay with discomfort and learning how to be the best person myself with the tools I have to do Did you go back to your provider and, and let them know all of these things? Have they yeah, been included in all of this? Of course, yeah. Um, I, I even went back to my dentist. <laughs> Said, I'm not going to be breaking any more teeth. And he's like, nice. dang it. No, yeah, no, everybody's on board. I feel like transparency is huge with me too. Um, I don't believe in hiding or lying. I think that's why I'm such a rule follower. But yes, I definitely went back to my doctor and said, we need to eliminate these medications because I'm not taking them. And he's like, well, what are you doing instead? And I have my cannabis card. And he basically gave me the thumbs up. He's like, whatever works. Yeah. And it's in my chart now. So he knows now that I do take cannabis. So any type of medication that I need in the future can interact with that badly. So I think it's important. It is, and and I think for the, I mean, it sounds like your experience with your regular provider was pretty pretty good. Um, you know, we get phone calls pretty frequently from other providers who are like, "Well, can I, can I do this with this other medication? Is it okay?" And we're starting to answer those questions. People are coming, you know, slowly coming around one at a time. That's okay. It takes, yeah, you know, one at a time is more than zero at a time. That's fine. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, I love it. I think that. Now the next step is getting insurance companies to cover the costs. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. I think that's a big lift. Yep. And I it's think crazy. working, yeah, working more providers into it so you can, you don't have to pay outside, you know, for the for the evaluations, uh, lowering the prices of the medication, the the flower, all of it, 
needs to come down and be more accessible. The more we do, the more accessible it becomes. Uh, it's expensive right now still. It is. It is. But it's worth it for me, for my mental health and for what I'm doing to my the insides. I mean, I don't know what kind of long-term damage being 20 years on SSRIs did to my brain or or any of that stuff, you know. So just being able, I, I'm i the one that was like, I'll be on this for the rest of my life. Like, there's no way I'm going to be without a mood stabilizer. Like, I can't function without it. And here I am. It's been a couple of years now, almost a little over a year now, where I haven't had any SSRIs. I feel like I'm, my growth spurt is monumental, and I have nowhere to go without Like, it just, it can't really be better. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite strain? Um, I think the one that I, I the, the one thing that I will not ever not purchase are the gummies. You like the gummies? I do. I think that that's, right now I'm taking the mango peach 40 milligram gummy at night. And if I'm exhausted, I only take half of it. And if I'm anxious, I will take the whole thing. I like that. Find, being able to fine tune that. Um, and then the panic attacks, using the vape for the panic attacks, I think is the other one that I would probably never think about. That's good. Oh, and I'm off of like all, because I was on like ibuprofen 800s. I was on um, well, like a diclofenac or something. Yeah, diclofenac. It's an ibuprofen, it's a name brand ibuprofen type medication. Yep. And all that, all that's gone. All that's gone. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I I love these uh, I love these stories I love their I, I mean I like people to take control take back control yeah well and I think it's nice too like it, because it's not a it's not a replacement I mean it, it it can be it's a replacement but really for me it was just opening my eyes to know that I'm mentally strong enough to do these things mm-hmm. on my own and this this helps me get there this helps me get there. It doesn't yes. it, and it just doesn't make it quite so it doesn't make my anxiety so overwhelming that I shut down. It actually makes it manageable that I pay attention to it I know where it's coming. Yep. Cannabis isn't doing the work. You're doing the work. Cannabis is just helping you to be able to do that. It's clearing the cobwebs, yeah. Yep, clearing sure. the cobwebs. Yep. I'm sure. well, this is awesome. Well, thanks, Amber. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your willingness to be open and honest with me, okay. with people. I think it's it's just amazing. Um, yeah. Congratulations! It's been a journey. Thank you, thank you. And if I'm ever door dashing fizz, I swear if you ever show up when I door dash fizz, you, you better you, tip me big. Oh, big! <laughs> don't you, don't you worry. You better tip me big. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, everybody. UtahMarijuana.org/podcast is where you can find all of the podcasts. You can also uh, subscribe to Utah in the Weeds on any podcast player that you you have. You can download us everywhere. Um, Amber, Frankie, it's been it's been a real pleasure. Well, it's been a pleasure being here. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. Stay safe out there, guys. Thanks.